1: This week we have been focusing on the affections in our relationship with Christ. Today we continue that look here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. Some would say that it's a religion. We would affirm and reaffirm it's a relationship. And that's the subject of our series, Finding Pleasure in God. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, taking a closer look at the affections, love especially, verses 4 through 7. And throughout the program, we'll tell you more about our listener appreciation dinner coming up November the 2nd. We'd love for you to be a part of this fellowship. Again, we'll tell you more throughout the program right now. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil, shall we? With today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: Look, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to just read a passage, the classic description of love, and uh, today we're going to look deeper at the affection of love, that when God moves on his people, the fountainhead of all the affections or the emotional responses they have to God is this overwhelming sense of the love of God. And I just want to read uh, the classic description of love in verse 4, 13-4 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, and that is a great translation. Uh, Others don't reflect that, but that's a great translation. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, if you will, turn to 1 Peter 1. eight, where we have introduced this enjoying God, duty or delight. And uh, let me read to you that great passage of 1 Peter 1. eight the theme verse that Jonathan Edwards used for his book, Religious Affections. And I must say, if you want to pursue this subject uh, beyond my limited ability, I've been reading on this for about eight years. It's the first time I've ever spoken on it because I've been cogitating on it for years myself. Read Religious Affections by Jonathan Edwards. Uh, There are modified editions that simplify. If not, read The Dangerous Duty of Delight by John Piper. We have it in our bookstore. It's a little book. I think it's about oh, 60 pages. I, I would start there because Jonathan can bury you uh, in his brilliance. Uh, but just to tell you, I'm borrowing different men that have made me say these thoughts. One, a Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with yawns, sleepiness, and non-excitement because you're not the emotional type. You believe in him. And you're filled, filled, overflowing with inexpressible and glorious joy. And this he writes to a suffering church, to a suffering church. Now, let me just lay some groundwork. Religious affections, why? Then we'll delve into looking at how love, how this gust out in our heart looks like. Let me say it again. The, the term came about in the 1700s from a genius theologian, a. Staunch, Stunt's uh, theologian, believe me. His stature is... No one claims to be equal to him in this country to this day. No one. He's hard to read because he's so brilliant. But in the awakening, when there was revivals breaking out different places... Uh, and I'm reading a book that you may want to enjoy, Revival and Revivalism by Ian Murray who surveys the revivals that broke out in America. A historian, None of, some of you don't read any history, so you don't know what's happened since before you were born. There was some, something happening before we got here. And so you read history. And in this history, it tells of the great revivals that would sweep through regions, hundreds being saved, uh, baptisms, just marvelous history. But in it, there were excesses. There would be people who would swoon. They would uh, faint in a service. Uh, They may yell out. Uh, There were emotional excesses. And so the revival was uh, suspect by the intelligentsia. God couldn't be in this. Anything that gets emotionally carried away, uh, it's just a bunch of froth. It's a a lot of heat and no light. And so Jonathan Edwards being a part of that revival, seeing it, knowing George Woodfield, this mighty preacher from England, and seeing the divine results that swept down the East Coast in the Great Awakening, he said, oh, no, 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 it was not all froth. It was not all an emotional, whipped-up meeting. Let me tell you the lasting effects. And then he went further, he said, by the way, let me tell you how God affects his people. That Christianity is more than a bunch of right thoughts. It's more than just a bunch of volitional decisions. God's people have been affected by him. He, he has had a divine effect on them. And uh, I give you that. You can read this in this uh, note that was given. Take time to read it some great quotes, but I wanted to give you an American heritage definition of affections. Just get this, to have an influence on, or to affect change in. That's what Jonathan's thing. God, you know, it's just like I see Grand Canyon, and, and you see something grander, and you say, is that it? He... He's arguing no one can come to see Jesus Christ revealed in the gospel and come to know God personally and just say, is that it? That he will affect you in certain biblical ways. And I listed 12 or 14. We're going to focus on the fountainhead of them, love. But his argument is you're touched by, you're moved by it. Psychologically, quoting the dictionary, it's a feeling. Or emotion as distinguished from cognition, thought, or action. A strong feeling having active consequences. That's what just a good secular, that is what Jonathan Edwards is thinking of. Can you come to know God and be unaffected by God? He would say no. And he listed all the trivia that happened in the revival, all the uh, chaff. Of people who would profess who washed out and who were emotional but didn't last and so he does a critique of all the false and then he winds up with his 12 and you'll have to read the book but I want to begin with where Peter does that though you haven't seen him you have come to love him now that's the greatest affection that God could ever do is that you would come to love God. Uh, And let's develop that. And uh, we think that God commands all kinds of affection. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and body. But let's let's examine this a little bit. Uh, How does God's love affect you? let's say you've never known God and you come to be a Christian and you got saved in one of these revivals of the awakening and you came to be saved in time. Let's look at this emotion, this affection called love. How does it work in the Christian? Three ways I see the love of God, how it affects us. Three ways. The first way is you are aware for the first time in your life that you are loved personally by God. That God has set his affections on you. I don't know if you'll ever, you might ask yourself, when was the first time it struck me that God personally loved me? I'm afraid there's many Christians that don't even think in this category even now. Do you know why the uh, self-worth, self-esteem, self-image, self-help industry is abounding? People feel worthless. People feel, I don't have the right esteem nobody thinks I'm worth anything so we have an abounding industry in psychology self-help self-worth self-esteem and uh, be good to yourself you're somebody and we teach all the self-talk you know what unless you have a significant other saying you have worth you'll never believe your own self-talk you can't talk up your worth enough and then all of a sudden you go along and you hear this message I love you so much in a personal way that I personally sent the payment for your sin in my son and I so love the world and you were a part of that wicked scheme that I sacrificed my son for you when God makes that penetrate the heart for the first time and the scales fall off your eyes and you really hear that message it will melt you like nothing else in all this world you mean God loves me? God loves me? and this is the first thing that overwhelms you the love of God that he would give his son so it's first of all this love is an overwhelming sense I am loved by God you might try it sometime I did it in Ephesians that you were worth a son to the father the father said I'm willing to give a son to demonstrate to them that I love them. This is Romans 5. While we were sinners, while we were weak, while we were ungodly, God sent his son to die for us. You ought to stand in the mirror. I mean, we all live with self-doubt, maybe esteem problems. Maybe your dad didn't treat you right. A husband didn't treat you right. A brother, a sister, whatever. Not everybody in this life treats you the way you want to be treated. But then all of a sudden you realize God has said, I am the apple of his eye, that I've been chosen to know his son. And get this, you know what he did? The moment he saved you, hear me, Romans 5, 5 says, he told the Holy Spirit, I want you to be gushed abroad in their heart.
1: Well, Pastor Phil will be back in just a moment to continue our message here today on Truth for Today. I'd like to remind you, though, that coming up Friday, November the 2nd, mark it on your calendar, we have our 2018 Truth for Today listener celebration. It's from 630 to 930, again, Friday, November the 2nd. The event is free, but we do require a headcount for the food. So we would invite you to register either by calling or stopping by our website, which I'll give you in just a moment. Great food, great fellowship. Pastor Phil will bring a wonderful message, and we even have an auction whereby you can walk away with some amazing items while supporting Truth For Today Ministries. So get a hold of us today. You can reach us at 510-799-3171. That's 510 799 3171. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.com, and then click on the link that takes you to our 2018 Truth for Today listener celebration page. And you can register right there. You'll see the tab. All right, let's get back to our study now. Once again, here's Pastor Phil on this edition of Truth for Today.
2: God regenerates you when you're born again. The spirit is gushed abroad like just take a geyser and all over your heart you're overwhelmed with a sense I am loved by God. That is an overwhelming thing. Not God's angry with me. Not God's a great judge is going to get me. No, God loves me me and the spirit indwells me he's gushing that all the time I was interviewed for a a group one time and they came in it was years ago in this church and the interviewer asked me says "Uh, please describe to me your love for God how much do you love God I said well I must say at this phase of my journey I don't talk as much about how much I love him as I do how much he loves me For my love is like a yo-yo. It's up and down. It's, uh, you know, I I love the Lord, I believe, but the greatest comfort I have is he loves me, and he's not a yo-yo. And I gave him Romans 5, 5. The love of God, and that verse there means God's love for you has been gushed abroad in your heart. Number one. Second thing that happens in this love, for the first time in your life, you begin to love him. According to John 8, he told them, the reason you don't receive me, Jesus talking to the Jewish leaders, is you don't love God. For if you love God, you would receive God's love gift. And the reason you don't, you just don't love God. Let me tell you, all men and women outside of Jesus Christ do not love God. And that's why they don't come to God. Jesus said the reason people don't get saved in John 3:18 and 19 is they don't come to the light because it would expose their sins and they love their sins more than they would love to come to God. So people go to hell, people continue in their sin because quite, quite frankly, they love sin more than they love God wake up. Is that too offensive? Is that too profound? That is the truth. The reason we stay in sin is we love sin. And not until you've been saved and God has shown you the true and living God, the the superlative of everything, the greatest love, the greatest person you could ever know, then in the new birth, he affects you so that you could say with Peter, We have come to love God. That's not strange. He told Israel in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall serve him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your body. It's interesting. When he said God is one, he said God is undivided. He's a compound unity. He's undivided. He's one. And he says, I want you to love me in an undivided way. Don't have a part of your life that loves sin, a part of your life that loves... I want heart, soul, mind, body. I want you to be undivided in your loyal love towards me. Don't have a rival. Love me in an undivided way. That's all God really wants. If you'll settle who you're going to love, all the other will fall into place. It's like in a marriage, if you've already concluded there'll be no rivals, you've you've nailed 95% down of at least this marriage going to make it. But if you're always looking for a third party, you're already in trouble, and you'll always be in trouble. There can be no rivals to true love. So, I come to be loved by God, I come to be enabled to love God back. And I struggle with that, quite frankly. A lot of times I'll start out, I'll say it, Lord, I love you. And then I always say, do I? I have kind of guessed myself because I hear him asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? After Peter's been a great failure. Yeah, I think I do. I'm going feed my sheep. Could I love you without putting up with your sheep? No, you got to take care of them too. That's interesting that God made Peter's love contingent on whether he would take care of people. The third aspect of God's love affecting you is you become a people lover. It always starts with loving those who know the same Father. We turn into people lovers. Is that not amazing? I know, I, I talk to quite a few Christians. I love God, I just can't stand his people. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, I don't like Christians. They bug me. There's a lot of hypocrites in church. Well, where else could they play it out pretty good? There's hypocrites in everything. There's hypocrite Elks, hypocrite Masons, hypocrite Democrats. There's a hypocrite in everything. Does that mean there's no real thing? No, no, no. But you'll get, you know, it's a favorite sport to pick on what's wrong with God's kids. And some folks, it's just their excuse for not loving anybody. They haven't found anybody good enough to love. Nobody quite passes. Now, he said, when this love of God is just to in our heart, John says, we know we're walking in the light when we are loving the brethren, and we know we're in darkness when we don't love them. A good question. Do you love God? Do you love people? And uh, it's an amazing thing how beat up you can get around people who say they know God. They're rude. uh, They're insensitive. They're self-centered. They're selfish. Matter of fact, they act like dirty old sheep. And sheep are wayward, blind, stubborn. But God is in the process of taking a heart that all it knows itself, its wants. And it teaches you to love people. Listen to what Paul says. The love of Christ constrains me to share Christ with all men For if one died for all, then we're all guilty. And I'm constrained, you Corinthians, to do what I do because the love of God is pushing me forward to do it. How do you love people? Well, I'll give you some ways. Romans 12 says you love them sincerely. And that means without pretense, without wearing a mask. Can you genuinely... God is not telling us, go out there and act like you love people when you can't stand them. I love you. Well, that's not what God's producing. What this love of God is, it fills the heart so that you have to do something towards them. It's not you do something and you have nothing in your heart. That's hypocrisy. Is there anything God's doing in your heart that's overflowing with wanting to do good, to show love. And how do you express love? It's got to come out some way. Words, deeds, uh, you know, some way. We all are built different. But it becomes concrete. Now, now wait, 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 wait. Do, Do we get to pick the model of how to love? Or does God set it? Are you going to tell God how to love? No, you don't know anything about it. None of us. God says, follow the lead of my son. I left you an example of how to love.
1: And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today. The ministry of Alley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. what we believe worship times directions and the like again truth for today or again simply call 855 833 9864 By the way, as we mentioned earlier in the broadcast, you might want to mark it on your calendar Friday, November the 2nd. It is our Truth For Today listener celebration, a chance to enjoy some great food, amazing fellowship, and also an opportunity to help support Truth For Today ministries as we continue ministering to the greater Bay Area through the radio broadcast. Now again, as mentioned, it's great food, great fellowship. Pastor Phil will bring a wonderful message. We even have an auction whereby you can walk away with some amazing items and at the same time help support Truth For Today Ministries. Here's the phone number. It's 510-799-3171 or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.com. Click on the Truth for Today listener celebration banner, and then you'll see the register tab right there on the right-hand side. We'd love to see you. It is a great opportunity to get a chance to mingle with those of you who make Truth for Today a daily part of your growth in Christ. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today.